On this eve of our Savior's birth, we welcome you to worship this morning here at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We're glad you found your way to us through Facebook Live or our website. This morning's service is intended for families and for all of you who hope to remember the story of Christ's birth through scripture and through song. We welcome you here and we give thanks for your presence among us. A few quick announcements before we begin with worship. Um, our afternoon service that was meant to be on the lawn is canceled due to the rain that's happening, but we will have our evening service, which is traditional Selwyn Avenue Christmas Eve worship, complete with candlelight and communion. Again, back here at Facebook Live at 5.30. We hope you will join us if you feel so called. A special thank you to Eric Millard and to Fred Spano, Gay Pappen, and to all of our musicians who have been working so carefully and diligently to provide us um, music for worship with all of their hearts and their souls and their minds. We are grateful for you, as well as um, our member Eric Winkenwerder uh, and Sa Sam Roburn, who have been faithful in uh, worship here with us all year long. Following the introit this morning, it's my pleasure uh, to invite Jonathan and Lauren Korch here to light our Christ candle this morning. Their daughters, Emery and Nora, are welcoming molars into their mouths, and so they're at home, but with us here in spirit. And at the very end of worship, our Christ candle uh, will be carried out into the world, the light of Christ, by our very own star, Dane Franklin, and his big brother, Tommy. So now let us prepare our hearts to worship God.
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. We relight the four Advent candles and recall what the good news means. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. He makes all other gifts possible. We light the Christ candle now and celebrate the birth of Christ. Jesus, you came among us as a tiny child so that we would know the love of God. This is the night we celebrate your birth and thank God for all the gifts that we've been given. Help us to have the courage to share your good news, hope, peace, joy, and love, so that we may be your voice to others in this world of need. Amen.
In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was a descendant from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. I wish that I could tell you what it felt like. I swear the rest of the world got quiet for a minute, stopped breathing, looked to the sky for just a minute. I know I did. For how do you speak or breathe or do anything but lift up your eyes when a baby is born? Mary told me that it was time that the baby was coming. She looked afraid. Alert, I leaned down and held her hand and told her that it would be all right, that God would protect her and that I would be there. But I don't know if she heard me. She seemed to be lost in her own heartbeat, her own purpose. I wanted to help with every bone in my body to be useful in some way, but there wasn't much for me to do, so I paced. I held her hand. I muttered angry words under my breath. We were so far away from home. The words were directed toward Emperor Augustus, but really they were rooted in my own fear of inadequacy. I asked what I could do, but she couldn't tell me. She'd never done this before either, so I prayed. Mostly, I just prayed that night. God, take care of her, take care of the baby. I will give you my own life, but please keep them safe. I've never felt more helpless. I know it took hours, but I only remember moments, glimpses of the night. I will remember the time Mary briefly pulled from her focus in the haze of pain and looked up just long enough to lock eyes with me. Then I never felt more important. The tears caught in the back of my throat impossible to get rid of, threatening to break me down. I will remember his little hands and toes, all there, curled up and warm. I will remember the way she looked at him, holding him close to her heart, and then the way she fell asleep, once again lost in a heartbeat, but this time not of her own. I held those bands of cloth, ready to wrap them around his tiny body, willing to give him anything I had to keep him warm. I will remember the shepherds, wrinkled and confused, curious and eager. I will remember the way their knees left indents in the hay. I will remember the moment I realized that this child was not my own, but the world's. I am a father. I will cling to that identity, even if I can't make sense of it yet. When he is older, I will tell him about his mother and how she loved him in sync with his heartbeat even before he was born. I would tell him about the shepherds, wrinkled and confused, curious and eager, and the way they bowed. I would tell him that I love him in case he doesn't hear it for the rest of the world. Maybe he won't look so much like me, but he is my son too, and I love him with every bone in my body. Thank you.
night of Jesus' birth in my head. The memories slip into my mind like a sink with a steady drip, but I wish they would rush in like the River Jordan. For that night was the night my whole world changed. It was the night I became a mother, and if I could relive every star-stained memory, I would. Well, almost. I remember feeling Jesus kick. I felt the pressure. Something inside me knew it was time, even though I had never done this before. I longed for my mother to be with me, for my sisters too, anyone who knew anything about having a baby. However, we were in Bethlehem, days from them, so I tried to remind myself that I was strong, that many women I loved had gone before me, even Elizabeth. I tried not to cry. I took a deep breath, put my hand on my stomach, and turned to tell Joseph. He must have sensed it in my breath because he was already right there. Our eyes locked. He was like a bird waiting for a reply so he could sing the refrain. There are moments from that night that blur together, either from the pain or the confusion of it all. However, certain moments come back as clear as pictures. I will never forget the way Joseph, my new sweet husband, took my hand, reminding me that he would be there for me. I will never forget the smell of the hay, which so quickly threw me back to the innocent childhood days playing near the stalls. I will never forget the edict and forced absence of my own mother, or the fear in my chest that I would somehow mess up God's plan. I will never forget the way we cried, but most of all, I will never forget how light he felt in my arms the first time I held him. He was almost as light as my heart, which was undoubtedly flying high above us in joy. People always say children grow up too fast. I never knew what they meant until now. Only a few days into his life, and my mind already bounces between that night we first met and my anxious anticipation to the long road ahead. I worry already. I know I shouldn't, but I imagine that all mothers are a little anxious. How can I protect him in this world? His thin skin from the cold air, we are so far away from home. I've never been more tired. I've never been more in love. So I will hold him close, like all mothers do, both arms, curling him into the curve of my neck so I can feel his breath and smell his baby smell. Today I will kiss his nose and wrap him in my softest blankets. Today I will allow myself to be captivated by his wonder, each yawn, each grin, each breath. I will celebrate every moment. I will pray. This baby of mine, I know I will have to let him go one day, but today I wrap him tightly and hold him close. I rock him when he cries. I pray that he will remember how much he is loved, this love that rushes in like the Jordan. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn.
those moments when you realize you're falling asleep, your mind is alert enough to know that you are sinking, sinking into a deep comfort and warmth. And there's simply no stopping you. It happens slowly first, and then all at once. My night was like that. It started out like any other night. It was so cold that night. The sheep all found each other in one clump, nuzzling their noses and ears into each other's sides. Babies curled up under their mother's necks. We shepherds were doing what we always do. We paced. We laid in the grass. We looked at the stars. We kept the fire going and tried to stay warm. I rubbed my rough hands together, wondering who in the world would ever want to hold them. It was such a normal night, an ordinary, cold, lonely night. About halfway through the evening, I found myself flat on my back in the grass with a lone sheep curled up near my hip. I was tracing the shape of the galaxy with my eyes, and when the sky began to shift, I watched from where I laid as the sky opened up as if it had doors made of clouds and stardust, as if it had been waiting for that moment since the dawn of creation. You won't believe me, but standing there were angels. They were beautiful. I would explain it if I could, but I'm not sure I can. The only thing I can say is that the purest words of love I could ever voice have nothing on the harmonies they sang. It hurt, they were so lovely, and yet I could not look away. I was captivated. It was terrifying and breathtaking, like falling in love. The angels told us that there was a baby. They told us there was a God. They told us that we needed to go. And then they went themselves. I didn't believe them at first, and maybe I didn't want to believe it. We had been waiting for the good news for so long. Could this night really be the night? We talked about it, all of us together, and decided to go. My bones were so tired as we moved, stiffening with every cold step away from our fire. I tripped over every turn in the path because I couldn't take my eyes off the sky. Is it possible the angels would come back to sing again? Chasing the light, we made a dozen wrong turns, but somehow, miraculously, we made it. Then, it was like that moment right before you fall asleep. I fell to my knees, a victim of my tired body. My mind closed off the rest of the world. And as I laid eyes on that baby, I felt myself slipping into the warmest comfort and peace I have ever known. And there was just no stopping it. It was true. What the angel said was true. There, in her sleeping arms, was a baby. She was young, obviously exhausted, but the baby was awake. His brown eyes opened wider than most newborns. She had him swaddled tightly, making his eyes seem larger than the rest of his face. As I kneeled, I felt tears well up 
in the back of my throat. It had been a long time since I would cried. Yet, quite easily, I found the tears running down my face, stinging against the night air, washing my dusty skin clean. The boy's father smiled at me through his own tear-stained face, as if to say, me too. I reached my rough, calloused hands, these hands that had never been held. I don't know what I was thinking. Instinct, I suppose. But to my surprise, the little baby wrapped his soft, warm hand around my weathered finger. I can say now that it is true. All of it is true. What the angel said, all we had been waiting for, the good news, it was all true. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. Oh. 
And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had happened, what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Well, have you ever noticed lately that human connection now feels like a foreign violation of protocol? Face-to-face chit-chat feels like a risk and a luxury all at once. They say even us extroverts are out of practice. One of my grandmothers is recovering from a series of very serious falls, and she's been isolated in a rehab facility for several weeks. Recently, she was able to go home, and so the kids and I were able to quarantine and then visit her the week before Thanksgiving. We had not seen her in months, and all she wanted to do was touch our faces. I was terrified if she touched our faces, we might give her COVID-19, and yet I knew she needed to touch. All this time, all these months and weeks and days and moments, There has been too much solitude, too much barrenness and desolation, too much space around us and yet nowhere for us to really go. Even if you happen to be huddled in the bottom of your closet right now with earphones on listening to worship because your children are on sugar highs and they are bouncing off the walls, the emptiness created by this pandemic is real. If all of humanity is not crying out, come Lord Jesus, Are we not, all of us, at least waiting and hoping and crying out for all that Christ embodies? Save us. Save our weary souls and our broken hearts. Heal us. Heal our bodies, our loved ones, our fractured society. Transform us. Our complacency, our dark thoughts, our ego and insecurity. For the first time in history, we could have saved the human race by laying in front of our TVs and doing nothing. And yet that hasn't worked out too well either. Netflix, TikTok, podcasts, news reports, Zoom calls, try as we may, there's still a void, a hole, a gap. And nothing we do, nothing we can conjure up fills this space. If nothing else, I guess the grace of desolation shows us we are not the ones who make things happen. We're not actually in charge. The air outside is thin and cool. The sun is going to set early tonight, and this year has offered its share of darkness to be certain. Monday, December 21st, was the longest night of the year. And as if they were rubbing it in our faces, Jupiter and Saturn seemed to kiss that night. The stars aligned, and yet here on Earth, we have not hugged our parents or embraced our grandchildren in almost one year. The display on Monday night had not happened in the evening for 800 years. And yet, here on the ground, we are hunkered down, a little tired and forlorn. 
Exposure, two days. Social distancing, six feet. Quarantining, two weeks. Homeschool, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Lockdown, 10 weeks. No more than 50, no more than 20, no more than 10. Only one visitor, no visitors. Don't shake hands. Don't sing without masks. Don't touch your face. The stars aligned. And yet more than two and a half million people have been sick with this, this virus. Most of us know someone who knows someone who has died as a result of the coronavirus. And so this moment we are in, it is not abstract. It is not virtual. This is our moment. This is our story. These are our lives. They are our parents and our grandparents. This is our pain and our fear. And we have been terrified. And all the while, life seems to have been happening. A first grader lost all four of her front teeth. The cancer patient has just finished his chemotherapy. A grandmother is using her walker again without protest. A baby has taken his first steps. A senior has heard from at least one college. There have been weddings and baptisms. Bread and poinsettias have been delivered. Meals have been shared. I imagine across this globe there has been an outpouring of generosity and kindness and grace. I know it's true here at Selwyn. Our decisions and our actions impact one another and those who will come after us, not just our children, but our children's children. And so on this particular day, in this particular year, when all the other days seem to run together, we must ask, we must ask ourselves what story guides our lives and gives us identity and purpose and meaning. To remember is not an act of nostalgia, it is to engage in the ongoing narrative of our lives. To reach back is to claim our place in the story, which I pray is not ending here in 2020. You see, we may be separated. You may be in your living room or in your kitchen or even in the bottom of your closet, but we share a story beyond ourselves, not in a virtual way, in a real way. The authors C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were walking the lawns of Oxford one evening after dinner in 1931. Lewis was on the verge of falling into the Christian faith, and Tolkien is trying to help him take that last final step. If you're somebody wrestling with your faith, if you happen to be a man, perhaps, listen up. Your problem, Tolkien says to Lewis, is that your imagination is not strong enough. You read the great stories of literature and the fairy tales you love and allow yourself to be swept up and swept away. But when it comes to the Gospels, you become narrow and empirical. Your imagination shuts down and you start asking all kinds of rational questions. Here's the key, Tolkien says. The story of Christ should be seen as a story like all those other stories, just as beautiful and powerful. And it should work on you in the same way through your imagination and your heart. But with this difference, this story really happened. Jupiter and Saturn have been crossing paths for centuries. 
And according to the Gospel of Matthew, there was a bright star that Christmas night. I suppose it might have happened this way on the night Jesus arrived or the morning. They walked, they waited, they were there in Bethlehem, but it seems they had no real place to go. There was a moment, it was a real moment, and it is there in that particular space, in that particular moment, in that one single moment that God invaded the dark and empty reality of life. The cards were stacked against Joseph. The facts did not add up for Mary. The odds were not in their favor. Her belly had been empty. His wherewithal had been short. The road had been long. There was a census. Herod was on the hunt. And until this moment, the one who had been ordering their steps was Caesar. So much greed, so much evil, so much pain, so much uncertainty, living day in and day out under the threat of such things like military occupation and poverty and debilitating taxation. The art of survival leaves very little room for choice. Were they weary? Were they alone? Were they terrified? The inn was full. The stall, the feeding trough, the dust, the labor, the pushing, the screaming, the crying. The shepherds, they would have preferred to have stayed invisible. No status, no security, no access. But it also meant they may have been able to slide under Rome's radar. They lived outside amongst their sheep and the stars. And the scripture does tell us they were terrified. baby of ours enters a world of pain. Yes, the darkness and the threats are real. Yes, it's been a long and lonely, weary road. Yes, the grief and the anxiety is profound, and yet God in Christ initiated a collision of power, an interruption of hope, an invasion of joy. Joy. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. This day there is a Savior born, a Messiah, the Lord. Oh, we know this story, don't we? We know it so well. It has carved deep grooves into the marrow of our bones. And so while we cannot gather and we cannot light candles in this sanctuary, and we cannot travel lightly or hug or even sit at a table with the people we love, this is the story that fills empty hearts. When we hear Joseph and Mary and a righteous female shepherd remember, we remember too, don't we? Over these last many months, there have been many other narrators. Other stories may have filled our heads. False gods could have been ordering our steps. Fear may have overshadowed our gratitude. Predicted outcomes and statistics and polls and facts might have paralyzed our hearts and stunted our imaginations, but that's okay. Because the story of our lives is not the story of the things we make and the things we do. As C.S. Lewis states, it is the story of what we have been given to see, to love, to praise. And so ours is a story 
of joy. Not pleasure, not happiness, but deep and abiding joy. Joy is deeper than sadness and it is deeper than grief, but it contains and it holds them both. You see, joy, it can't be practiced. It can only be welcomed or received. This sort of joy is so profound. This sort of love is so deep. It brings us to our knees, not in wonder, which of course is our first reaction when God somehow interrupts our messy lives, but it brings us to our knees in gratitude and praise for what we know to be true. This baby savior of ours changes everything. To have been given a seat at the table, to have seen the star, to have had the dream, to have been spared, to have been encouraged, to have been forgiven, to have been seen when we would rather be invisible, to approach the manger, just as the band of shepherds shimmy over to make just enough room for you to catch a glimpse, to have encountered God's love. This is our story. This is your story. Fear not, for unto you a child is born. Amen. Christ, holy child, glory of God revealed. By starlight we first saw your face, 
Now, by daylight, we sing your praise. We come to you on this wondrous morning to gather in praise and to lift your name. Though our days are long, you are our hope. And when our path feels dark, we know that you lead the way. By your spirit, help us to shine with brightness of your truth and to share the warmth of your great love. Give us a place amongst the shepherds that we may find the one whom we've waited. This year has been a long journey, O oh God, a year of illness, seasons of loneliness, days of great injustice and famine and natural disaster. We ask, O oh God, that on this holy day you soften our hearts and open our eyes, that we might not miss the coming of hope, a child whose glorious redemption we cannot imagine. As we continue to look east, longing for your arrival, help us to make our homes and communities a sanctuary of peace filled with carols of praise. We pray for this on this holy day for the poor, for those who are cold and hungry, those who long for a warm and dry place to rest, for those who are oppressed, for those who are sick and those who mourn, for the lonely and those who feel forgotten. We pray for the aged and for the youth, for our healthcare workers who work around the clock this day to save lives, for those who feed and care for the hungry, for those who wait for answers, and for those who struggle to adapt to change. We pray for the church universal, for those who kneel in awe alongside us this day, for congregations and ministries who are finding new ways to worship today, and for all those who rest heavy on our hearts that we name in this moment of silence. Send your spirit, O God, that we might be sent forward with the majesty of this day to share the grace we find with everyone we encounter. This we pray in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray all together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Opening their treasure chest, they'd offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Friends, much like the wise men, we are called to, to respond to Jesus through discipleship. And the beauty of discipleship is that it takes many different forms, prayer, study, care, and much like the wise men, also sharing of our financial offerings. On this morning, we are collecting our joy offering. This offering goes to support the Presbyterian Church USA. You can make an offering using Selwyn's text to give platform and using the keyword joy gift. Our text to give number is 704-734-9818.
Come, let us give to God with joy.
heard it were amazed at what the, at the, what, at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. With grateful hearts, let us now lift our prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, a light shone upon those who lived in a land of deep darkness. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When the time was ripe, God appeared in the mainstream of humankind. He came not with the lightning bolt, nor with the clamor of kingship, nor in the midst of much applause. He came still and small into the poverty of the world, perceived only in the hearts of believers. We are those who celebrate his coming in time. We are the shepherds who adore him in awe. We are the travelers from afar who bring gifts to him. We celebrate the mystery which we know in our hearts. Gather and empower us, O God, as a community of peace and anticipation. Amen.
darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. He is the true light. He gives light to the world. Fear not, for unto you a child is born, our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Amen.